So, why did I decide to start a video podcast? Okay, great question, Gabriel. Oh, I thank you, Gabriel. So, this is why. I have always, 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 always been a talker. Um, My family has this really funny story about how my first words were like actually not a single word that I formulated an entire sentence. If you let my mother, Marcelia Gant or Nicholas Ryan Gant tell it, I literally composed an entire sentence um, and it was coherent. So Gabrielle Ann Gant's first words were, I want apple. <laughs> yes, even when they tell the story, they use that little uh, childlike voice. So I'm not sure if it's true. You know how black families are. We create these narratives and then if we tell them, you know, enough to to as many people as possible, it then becomes true. So uh, I'm just going to say, yes, that happened. And I kind of can potentially, you know, think that it's true because I know myself and I have literally always talked. Um, And when I wasn't allowed to talk out loud, I literally talked to myself in my head or I would find a closet and narrate entire um, television series or plays. I would play both roles, all parties, the director, um, the, the everything. Um, another funny story from my childhood is a time when um, me and my brothers, as well as my mom, lived in Tempe, um, like literally next door to my mom's twin and her family. And that year, my mom decided to bring one of my older cousins um, to Arizona to stay with us. And this is like one of my oldest and favorite male cousins, uh, Boo, um, my loving cousin Boo, a.k.a. Kelvin. Um, And uh, funny story about that, I don't think we knew his name was Kelvin until we were like (laughs) middle school or high school. Like Boo was just his name. And um, he was my fierce protector. I'm still probably his favorite. Um, No shade to all of my other lady cousins. Anyway, I would literally be in the closet with my Barbies and all my toys. And um, I would go steal my brother's G.I. Joe's and their collectible um, figurines, which often left me cut up and bruised. But that's another story for another episode. Um, But yeah, I would have this whole setup together and I would literally be narrating these entire dramatic scenes um and most of my scenes came from like reenactments of like conversations that I heard adults you know having because I was always around um that's another fact of my childhood like people really liked me like all of my older cousins my aunts and uncles like I was the kid that um people like to be around. I like me and my brother Nicholas always say my mom raised likable children. Like you can't leave everybody's kids with everybody, but 
my mom worked so hard growing up as a single mother. And so she would work split shifts and just do a lot to, you know, provide for three children. And so we were often in the care of others. But Nicholas and I learned very early on how to be likable children. So I'm in this closet. I have all of my dolls set up and I'm going at it with one of my Barbie dolls who recently got a haircut um, per the uh, styling design of my older brother. <laughs> we <laughs> We literally chopped her hair off because we were watching uh, music videos. And um, I don't know if you all know, but Adina Howard was popping and a freak in the bed. And we were like literally on the box. It was, This was even before like we had cable watching this. And she had this really cute short like Bob Pixie kind of cut. And yeah, so Nicholas took some shears and um, yeah, my Barbie doll had like literally the whole uh, 1990s Adina Howard look going on. So I'm in the closet, you know, it's a whole scene. I think I'm reenacting like a drunken argument um, that I overheard like my aunts uh, retelling to probably like somebody in the family. And I got these two girl Barbies, my Adina Howard and somebody else. I don't even know. And like, we're talking and we're just like, blah, 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 blah. You stupid. This, that, and the third. And like, it's like this whole cheating narrative. And, you know, like you call her, la, 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 la. And I'm like cursing. Like I'm literally using the actual words and I had to have been going in because I was animated. I remember this day. And all, all of a sudden, I just hear, yo, 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 chill, 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 And, like, my cousin Boo, like, swoops in, wraps his arms around me, like, puts his hand over my mouth. And he's like, nah, like, you cannot say the words. Like, and I'm like, what you mean? Because, you know, Auntie Myrna was in. Nah, no, 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 no. You cannot say those words. So... Um, he, you know, had to pull a little baby cousin aside, you know, put me on game. And like, what I loved about that situation, the moment is he didn't tell me to stop. Like, he didn't change the narrative of <laughs> what I was doing. He didn't make me like shift to play a different scene. Like, why don't you play like Disneyland or like mini? She, nah, like, he didn't change anything about what I was doing. He just put me on game to like. You cannot use the actual words. So I then started having like full out drop, drag, kick fights with my Barbies and beep, you beep, 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 you beep, beep, beep. So my cousin, my big cousin, Kelvin, aka Boo, taught me how to censor myself at a young age to avoid that ass whooping that was sure to come had any adult, especially my mother, heard me in a closet reenacting an entire adult conversation using the actual words. So shout out to big cousins who love their little cousins and um, wants to see them graduate high school. Um, So that's a dope childhood story. All of this is taking place in Arizona where I grew up. Um, been here since uh, 18 months. So that's also why I say I'm a little black girl from Phoenix because though my family is from the Midwest, uh, my mother's family 
are Indianapolis, Indiana natives. I too was born in the Midwest, but the West Coast raised me. So um, Phoenician, grew up here, grew up chasing dreams over mountaintops and um, loving sunsets and sunrises. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about um, Gabrielle and uh, why I kind of just like have this talking thing down. So fast forward to just anything, elementary school. It's another funny story. So everyone knows that I love my name. And if you don't know me and if you've never met me, um, it may be easy to pick up that fact because I literally use my full name. Thank you, mom, um, for naming me um, Gabrielle Leanne. Thank you, grandma, for not allowing my name to be Ariel. Um, and thank you, Auntie Nini, for stealing Danielle and naming my cousin Didi that so that I would have been blessed with Gabrielle. Um, and my name means so much to me. Um, the Hebrew translation is um, God is my strength. Um, and if you know me, you know that I do draw my strength from God. Um, and I believe in, you know, a higher source. But if you don't know me, now that's another fact <laughs> that you're learning on this introductory getting to know um, one another episode uh, hosted by me, um, featuring me. <laughs> um, and then, so yes, my name, I love it. And my middle name, Lee Ann, is actually... A combination of my um, two older brothers' middle names. So uh, Terrence Lee and Nicholas Ryan. You get the first and the last, Lee Ann. Um, and it's L E capital A N N. That detail is extremely important. And it's Gabriel spelled with a Y. Um, so that is my kind of like huh, North Star. I love my name. If you know the reason why I um, am apprehensive about hearing Gabby, uh, shout it out, <laughs> leave it in the comments. Um, but because uh, you've probably called me it and I probably corrected you or if I didn't correct you, someone who knows me and loves me and is very close to me did. Um, but anywho, Gabby is literally a beautiful name but if you call me it it sounds like nails scratching on a chalkboard and immediately puts a distaste in my mouth for you not because you know you called me by the wrong name but because you assumed that you could give me a nickname and then the nickname that you chose was that one so my name is not Gabrielle it is Gabrielle with a y and I hate the nickname Gabby for myself, not other women. If you go by Gabby, love you, sis, rock that, sis, do that. That's just not for me. And let's talk about why. Roosevelt Elementary School, Mesa, Arizona, fourth grade, Mrs. Gross. Hmm. Again, thank you, Nicholas Ryan Gant, for coming before me and uh, kind of doing some things that had a direct impact on me. How did this have a direct impact on me? Because <laughs> me and my brother are like so similar yet polar opposites. Um, I always got in trouble. He always got through, like, like got through everything 
<laughs> like with higher ups in like the most gracious way. Uh, not me. Like there was always a target on my forehead that said, I am so big, bold, and about my business that <laughs> you're going to need extreme measures to pull me together. So Miss Gross, fourth grade, ooh, Roosevelt Elementary School, Mesa, Arizona. She loved my brother who was in fourth grade with her um, three years prior to me because my brother is three years older than me. And so when I arrived to her classroom, she already had this idea that I was going to be like this angelic, full of life, bubbly personality, like that just like made people fall in love with them just by their presence. That's Nicholas. That's not me. That is, <laughs> that ain't me. Like, that's just not me. And so when I was not like my brother, oh, baby. She let me know. She reminded me every day. She reminded me a class every day. And so she gave me a nickname. And it, it was Gabby. And when she said it, it wasn't like this, I want to be comfortable with you and I want to make you feel good. And the classroom is a safe space for you to be your big, bold self. No, 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 no. Gabby was punishment. She was trying to tell a sister that I talked too much. And... um. She did it all the time, no matter how many times I corrected her, no matter how many times I did not answer her when she would call roll, no matter how many times my mom would come up to the school. Like I literally would write Gabrielle on my homework assignments or in classwork. And when she would turn it back into me um, with grades, she would have like crossed out Gabrielle with like a red pen and rewrote Gabby. It was the most despicable interaction that I think a teacher could have with a child. I mean, there's worse. There are definitely worse. But that was like straight up antagonistic behavior. Um, This was an older um, Caucasian woman who just was nasty, period. Like she had a nasty demeanor, not just to me, but it was like she was extra nasty to me. And that was kind of one of my first lessons in life on like, not everybody's going to treat you how you deserve to be treated, nor are they going to honor your demands in wanting to be respected and seen. Um, And so there was like this really cool situation in that class um, because my classmates started to notice that what she was doing was like really bothering me um, because it would frustrate me. Um, And if I lashed out or if I said anything back to her, then I would get, you know, I would get in trouble. And my mother was definitely an advocate and on my side for me um, being my whole and full self. But she wasn't about no negative marks on, you know, anybody's, you know, cards. And so those were lessons that we learned early as black kids growing up in Phoenix that like, just because you're right doesn't mean um, that you'll always get your way or that advocacy will look um, easy and you can be like right, but sometimes you come off as loud and wrong. And so I just remember like very, 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 like very near and dear to my heart, you know, like group of fourth grade friends, like when she would call roll in the morning and I would not say here. Um, I remember one class day, 
my um, classmates were like, there's no one in the class by that name. And it just like started to be like an echo of like, you know, some fourth graders defending me. Um, And so though I grew up in a space where, you know, brown and black people are pretty much treated in pretty really bad ways still to this day in 2020, it was cool to like see some kind of advocacy um, early on. So that's a Gabby uh, story of why I don't like that. So other people um, ask me what I like to be called. And if you ask me, I do grant you the ability to give me a nickname. But I don't even give people nicknames. Like, I feel like you should call people what they tell you to call them or how they introduce themselves to you. But anywho, um, I do sometimes answer to Brie when asked or that's actually like what my family calls me. Um, Growing up as a kid, I was always Brie. And then uh, my firstborn nephew, Emmanuel, could not pronounce gay um, when he was younger. So when he learned my name, it was Brielle. And so, yeah, like all through like... uh, my early middle school, high school days, even my friends started picking it up. And so I probably went through the majority of like middle school and high school with like some people calling me Gabriel, um, but like my close friends and the homies calling me Brie. And that's like B-R-I-E, like the cheese. And yeah, I mean, that's in my name. So um, yeah, those are some cool name stories what else what else what else what else can we talk about so we've addressed that I'm from Phoenix we addressed that I talk a lot and that's why this makes sense but it doesn't only make sense because I talk a lot it's something that I've done well for a very long time um aside from being the little girl who would be on the phone under the covers um for like two, four, five, six, seven hours past bedtime. Um, the little girl who used to be on the loop, shout out to the loop. If you guys remember, um, in Arizona, it was like a chat line for teenagers. Yeah. I had like mad profiles with like different accents and different names. Um, and then like when I got to like adolescence, like boys would be like, yo, I love your voice. (laughs) You, you got a real sexy voice. And I'll be like, oh, word. So, yeah. Um, I also really love my voice. Um, I get complimented from women. Like, it's very, like, sultry. Um, never liked when I received compliments. Like, oh, you sound like a phone, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's not a compliment. But anywho, I I like my voice. Um, and I like to speak and I love the art of communication. Um, but what I really love about the power of talking um, and speaking and communicating is building community. Um, aside from, you know, creating full out theatrical productions and, you know, talking to myself, either it be affirmations or like bouncing ideas off to my genius uh, brain. <laughs> I love talking to people and I love listening to people and I love listening to their stories because our stories are, they're the, they're the little makeup of who we are. There are narratives, there are journeys, um, there are waves, there are roadmaps. Um, 
I was very fascinated with griots growing up and I fell in love with um, Greek mythology um, at a really early age and uh, I experienced some trauma as a child and one of the ways that um, I got through um, that as a kid, not necessarily fully healed, but one way that I got through and journeyed through it was through writing, through reading. Um, my mother is a book like fanatic. She loves books. She can read a book in a day. Like we just had a whole like kind of drag down like fight over me telling her to purge some of the books that she has right now because they're like not you know high level titles like you know dope authors they're just like sometimes just books that she's you know picked up some penny saver books or whatever because she just loves to read like that is what she does and um like she gave me that love um like the love of stories the love of books the love of old movies and just creating narratives and so words are one of my favorite things in the entire world um um and I I just love them I love sharing them I love hearing them I loved when they're used correctly um <laughs> I love that they bring us together. I love that they uh, expand us and they make us grow. I love that we um, are challenged by them and that um, perception and understanding is um, based on experience. So, yeah, I love words and I love talking to people and I love building community. Um, And one of my greatest, greatest, greatest passions is to support um black women and women of color and and when i say support i mean full like holistically all the way around i'd love to see us win i love to hear our stories um we are the most resilient brilliant um, majestic magical beings in existence um i do believe that when god created the black woman um it, it was perfection um and, and and i and i don't say that in like a condescending way i just say that in in a way that is supportive because of who i am as a black woman and how much of my identity is wrapped into the fact that my my ancestors <laughs> these women these warriors these carriers and bringer forth of lives yeah, like we are, we bad. And so because of all of these things that I love, um, it makes sense to do this. And I say that it makes sense because this was actually something um, that I knew that I was called to do from a very early age. And as we get to know each other, as we stay close, as we share stories of, you know, amazing and trailblazing black women and amazing and confident and, 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 and peculiar and different and queer and just the full gamut of all of us, because that is who will be on this mic with me. Um, it will, it will be all of us. Um, and once you start hearing all of these narratives, you will understand why if I died today and reincarnation was a thing, I would pray to God to bring me back as a black woman. Um, and that's just what it is. But this story, this space, this space is 
it's sacred. It is safe and it is it is a platform. It is an illuminary stage. It is the it is the fallow ground that seeks to take the dreams, the stories, the ideas, the impossible wonders and infinite concepts that have yet to even become reality and it is to put it in to the space and into the atmosphere and to share it with everyone far and wide because black women deserve to be seen to be heard our narratives deserve to be celebrated understood studied dissected um there should be anthologies on just the power of existence that lies in the life of a black woman. So I love being a black woman, but I also love sitting in the space of connectivity because not only am I a black woman, but I'm a black woman who grew up in a space um, that you wouldn't think was diverse, but because of the people that I had in my corner growing up, my life was blessed by difference. Um, and that's so much a part of why I am who I am. Because though segregation, racism, systemic oppression, and just the shit that keeps us down, that is real. But what is also real is Valerie Edwin, the beautiful woman who befriended my mother um, when she was a telephone operator, one of the only black telephone operators um, at the time working at Quest in her office. Um, And Valerie befriended my mother and stood up for her when she was being um, bullied by a fellow colleague. And that relationship, that example of connectivity and humans seeing other humans that birthed a beautiful relationship and friendship um, and safe haven for me because Valerie Edwin then became my godmother in Arizona my second godmother because I have a godmother in Indianapolis as well um cookie I love you um but But Valerie was my Arizona godmother. And with Valerie came a family more (laughs) diverse, different, and crazy. Um, Definitely deserve their own sitcom, but every family does. But Valerie's family with Ron and Eric and Amy and Christy and Lindsay and Taylor... Um, and their extended families and their nieces and nephews, that family loved on me something fierce. Uh, my god sisters still to this day are um, the first to call and celebrate me and love me and accept me as the bold, beautiful black woman that I am. And they have learned so much as I have learned from them. Um, I have also forgiven them from completely making me a bald-headed child one summer after I received a relaxer and stayed a week with them um, between the chlorine in the pool 
the hairspray and the mousse um, and the gel that was put in. That was the summer that I went from a cute little relaxed shoulder length bob to a jerry curl because everything was broke. And my mom's best friend, Lenore, had to cut my hair so short. And the only style that would potentially look decent was a perm roller set. So thank you. God sisters for that blessing, that beautiful summer. Um, but they also taught me a lot about makeup and girls and sisterhood because I am the only girl in a family of boys um, and I'm the baby. But if you knew us, you knew that you would know that I raised them all. <laughs> I'm literally like the little big sister. Um, but yeah, the diversity that was around me growing up from the caregivers that stepped in to help like my um uncle Gracchus and his beautiful wife Pat and Uncle John um and just extended family members Auntie Myrna um and my cousin Don Shea and Maisha and uh, TJ and Raven. Um we also live in a very uh populated um, community that had lots of um, Hispanics around growing up. So if you wonder why I know how to make a taco um, and flip the tortilla with my bare hands, it's because of the exposure that I had as a kid. And that exposure helps me to see that, yes, I have a struggle and a plight as a Black woman, but I also have people who see me. Um, and so I see the world. And so that's why I'm an advocate for women of color. I do also love my ally sisters, um, my sisters who, you know, take up the cause for us. Uh, one of my newest, dearest sisters, um, Nurse Lisa, uh, we met at a tech um, small business pitch kind of conference. And she was telling me the story of how she fell in love with this podcast, uh, Side Hustle Pro. And she was just so connected to the women and just loved them and, you know, felt so much a part of the community. And then when she found out the host was a black woman was like, wait, can I be in this club too? Like, these are my sisters. Um, and so I, I, agree that we are better together, um, but that's not everyone's identity. So in this space, I hope to celebrate our narratives. I hope to celebrate the uniqueness of our womanhood, but also I hope to share real, like just real stories of vulnerability, truth, success, dreams, um, heartbreak and collective evolution because we will not progress as individual communities. The only way that we will continue into the next millennium is if we figure out this way to get past color and difference um, and all of these labels that we have uh, put on ourselves to see us all, to see each one of us as humans first. And I do understand that categories 
do you know this is what we do we we label and categorize ourselves so i'm not minimizing that i'm not limiting that what i'm saying is in spite of the identities that we bring forth with us we must see each other as humans first because that is really who we are and that is all that matters everything else is an adornment and it enhances our humanness but we are humans first. We are beings um, that were put here by design. No one is an accident. Um, and if you think of it in a psychological, scientific way, um, we do nothing for this earth. We do nothing. If, if humans were not here, the earth would continue on and probably in a better state. But we do nothing <laughs> but take, right? So our mere existence is at the pleasure of our creator. And that speaks volumes to me because it also means that the circumstances had to be precisely right for our creation to happen. The temperature had to be right. You know, the the angle had to be right. Like the time, everything had to be in sequence. For us to come together. So there are no accidents. Regardless of how you've been told your origin story. You were not an accident. You are meant to be here. Because um, there was a void that existed before you. That only you could fill. And as we have women um, and men come onto this show. Our North Star will be. Literally celebrating women of color, black women, creating safe spaces for them, validating the necessity for safe spaces for black women and women of color, but also building authentic communities of sisterhood amongst black women and women of color because we don't all get what what sisterhood is. You know, and I'm not saying that every woman is is supposed to be your sister. That's not what I'm saying. But in sisterhood, there are rules of engagement. And to be quite honest, some of us have been getting it wrong. Um, and I think there's just such a beautiful thing that happens when there's a community of authentic sisterhood. And, and that's what I want here. I want this to be a space for that um, I'm an event planner, designer, curator by trade. I also have a background in operations and logistics, um, business development. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Um, I have a very, very long history um, in the nonprofit sector. I have a master's degree in nonprofit leadership and management. I love humans and human connectivities, and I love supporting um, who we are. And we need so much more than food um, and, and, and nutrition that is something that is external. We need soul food and we need to commune. And that is what I hope this space will be. It will be a place and space, one that is safe to commune. And I'm not saying that we aren't going to disagree. I'm not going to lie and say that we won't have appointing views. 
I welcome that because if you live your life looking through only one window pane, you are going to miss an entire sunrise um, um, in the other direction because the sun rises in the east and it sets in the west. And those realities are what draw us close together. So I have been talking now for (laughs) 35 minutes, so I'm going to stop. But... I wanted to tell you what my hope was and set the intention for this because it has been coming for so long um, before I even knew what it meant to be a media personality, a journalist. I was being told that that was my calling. And so as a newly inducted 34-year-old Black woman, I am stepping more into myself and committing to honoring my passion, my purpose, and my dreams more now than ever um, during this rotation around the sun uh, because I deserve it. (laughs) And so do you. So welcome to welcome to the dream suite. It is your space to be your full, authentic, bold, um, creative, courageous, vulnerable, scared, dependent, healing, growing self. Because we are all in our own way going through a transition, an evolution, and we are all on a journey. Um, and so my hope is that along your journey... Um, I may be able to deposit just a little more light, a little more love, and a little more sun um, into who you are by sowing into you my unshakable belief in dreams. Because my dreams saved my life more than once. And so I know that your dreams have the power to save yours. And so let's talk. Let's connect, let's grow, um, and let's be here for one another because now more than ever, we need each other and we need to remember our humanness because that is what binds us. Um, That is what binds us. So thank you so much for listening this long. I hope you come back soon. Um, Because I have so many amazing people lined up to share their stories with you. So tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a sister to tell a brother to tell a cousin to tell an uncle. Tell your whole tribe, your squad, whatever you got. Shout it to the mountaintops. Gabrielle Leanne Gant has finally launched her video podcast. And it is where you come to be your fullest and most authentic self and talk dreams. Like, who doesn't want to talk dreams? All right, y'all. I'm out. I cannot wait to talk to you again. Take care of yourselves until we see each other soon. Be well.